This is W T M. Watch this movie. What? <laughs> How you doing? Oh, good for you. Oh, wait. Are you drinking up? First, you gotta do the trouble shuffle. Obviously, you're not a golfer. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. W G M. Watch this movie. Welcome back to a brand new episode of WTM Watch This Movie. I am Eric Mulder. Some of us pump, and some of us slump. Joining me once again is Mr. Positivity, Wolfie T. You want to talk? We'll talk. I'm a sucker for good conversation. What's up? Not much. I know, I have a 90s action hangover. This is the end. It's the end of the summer. It's almost time for the great Minnesota get-together. And uh, we're finishing up our summer series on 90s action films. It's also a very sad day today. Uh found out a couple hours ago that Terry Funk has passed away. Indeed. So I'm uh, very depressed. What do you think is his best role in film? I don't know. Like, or I, most memorable. I don't know if that's a, a better question. Like I don't I don't think he has too many like super prominent roles. And like what he was in Roadhouse and he was mm-hmm. in over the top but like he got his ass kicked in both of those which <laughs> yeah. is like i don't want to see terry funk get his ass kicked i want to see him kick ass <laughs> well you could have seen him kick ass as recently as the past couple of years right he didn't really retire right he's been wrestling in the 70s yeah like uh probably <laughs> 10 years ago or less that he that he retired okay well how old was he he was 79. Okay, so he almost wrestled into his 70s. Um, he may have. I, I don't know. It might have been less than 10 years ago that he retired. He just kept wrestling forever and ever. And uh, I didn't I didn't expect him to die, ever. I thought, I mean, he's going to go on long after the rest of us have gone. Yep. It's uh, sad to see him go. I remember him most from Roadhouse and remember it fondly because Roadhouse is a great film. I forgot he was in the ringer. I don't remember exactly what his uh, role was in there. Hmm. The Johnny Knoxville movie where he pretends to be uh, mentally challenged <laughs> to join the Special <laughs> Olympics. Right, right. Well, uh, sitting very silently waiting for his introduction, we have with us Minnesota's own Zolly Becker. How are you doing? You don't really think you'll win. Things change. I'm pretty good. Hey, everyone. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thank you for uh, helping us wrap up our summer series in 90s action by discussing Stargate and probably all things Stargate, although Brett and I have both only seen the film. Uh, have you seen any of the, or all of the TV shows? I have seen the first two episodes because they contain uh, incongruous uh, nudity and extreme violence. Okay. <laughs> uh, which is totally out of sync with the rest of the show, SG-1, as far as I know. And that was uh, common because Stargate SG-1 and one of my favorite syndicated sci-fi shows... We're both 1995 Showtime debuts, and the other being The Outer Limits. Okay, and right. 
season one also features an incongruous full frontal female nudity and extreme violence. The later seasons of 90s Outer Limits and Stargate SG-1, I reiterate, do not have naked women <laughs> for extreme violence. So you've, you pretty much, you haven't seen much of the shows then? No. I, I mean, I know of them. Like I, mm-hmm. I recognize, you know, Christopher Judge with, you know, the shit in his head. And yeah. uh, you know that, uh, you know, MacGyver is Kurt Russell. Yeah. Minnesota's own Richard Dean Anderson. Oh, you betcha, yeah. Yeah. Dean Anderson. And they have, you know, some guy pretending to be James Spader. <laughs> um, it's funny that they couldn't even get James Spader to play James Spader. He wasn't he, doing much. I think he would have done it because he would have probably assumed that, you know, a sci-fi show in Canada will fail. And then I get to go home because he's very cynical in that way. And um, like you know, the, it was quick and dirty. I think. I don't think they expected to last either. I think they were betting on like, you know, their other shows in the packages to like be successful. Yeah, I didn't realize how many shows there actually were. I remember SG One, of course, but I think there's about three others. Yeah, well, like the first episode, like ends with like alien parasites being you know defeated by like killing you know Richard Dean Anderson's closest military buddy mm. in like a really vivid, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a really vivid bisection of his head like they've to choice between saving the guy and killing the alien and they're like fuck it let's kill the alien huh they also they left a bit of a footprint in the comic book world didn't they didn't they start doing some comics yes None of these things share a universe, though. Only the TV shows share a universe. The movies, the comics, and the shows, they don't connect at all. Okay. I don't know who made the comics in the beginning. The movie was, like, adapted by, I think, Tops, I think, or someone. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. So, you know, the internet is going to fact check me. <laughs> you know, it's okay. I don't know as a, as a right now when this content was harvested. Who published the thing in 1994? I do not believe it was Marvel. It could have been Dark Horse. It's either Dark Horse or Cops. Okay. Well, I would assume that they they don't sell too well, but I guess I have no idea. No. There's plenty more shows than I thought there were, so I don't know. Maybe they do sell well or did at one time. I don't think Stargaze became like a forever thing until they, they made the show SG-1. I mean, the SG one has overtaken the movie in fandom. I mean, you mentioned Stargate; they you don't they, they people aren't talking about the movie, right? It's like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Same thing, stolen valor yeah. by television. <laughs> well, self stolen valor by television. To to be fair, I don't ask people about Stargate, so <laughs> no, no, nobody knows about Stargate. I'll take your word for it. Stargate is a little, a little lower on the totem pole in sci-fi action blockbusters than 1990s. Yeah, I was actually surprised to see that it made quite a bit of money. I think the budget was around $56 million and worldwide it made almost $200 million. So you think maybe the show was more profitable overseas as well? 
I mean, I believe the Showtime, the reason why Showtime, Showtime paid for the first, like, five seasons of it. And the their plan with the, and I'm not I'm not reading from them, I just know this from, like, history. Mm-hmm. Their plan was that they were going to spruce it up with naked women and extreme violence. But they were <laughs> going to make it in such a way that when it was syndicated, because it would be syndicated. Yeah, I remember that. Alternate takes and alternate angles where these things would not occur. Thankfully, internet people, if you go to Amazon Prime and you watch either Stargate SG1 or the 1990s Outer Limits, you can see the original versions. I do not know if the DVDs are the original versions. I think that Stargate's DVDs are probably edited to reflect the overall series, so they are not the original Showtime airings. Okay. But I could be wrong. I could be wrong. <laughs> Started SG one, SG one, season one DVD front may have changed. But you know, it's better to watch them on Amazon than than high definition almost. I think. Wait, are they? I can't remember. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It actually doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, you won't rest until everything's on four K, right? Well, you know, or or well, at least a, a good, yeah, four K. I, I won't accept you, Katie. I mean, I will, but if you're doing something new in the present, it should be in full 4K. Or at least a a blue a nice Blu-ray with a 4K transfer, right? Well, I mean that, that that's good for anything you know that's not recently made. I mean, as in like recently conformed to a disc release, not recently made as a as a movie. Like it, it for a movie that's never come out before, like let's say Michael Mann's The Keep, right? You know that should have a 4K. It should not go to Blu-ray. It should go straight to 4K. Same with True Lies in the Abyss and William Friedkin's Deal of the Century and mm. all that. Song in the South. Probably <laughs> yeah. the, the, the DVD, the Blu-ray release date for these movies is is fucked and blown. It's 4K time now. They have they came too late to the platter party, <laughs> and they the, the the rules is you got to be 4K. Right. I mean, I'm not saying anything that's it's like out of line. Yes, it's super entitled, but Tammy and the T Rex. I wanted a 4K Tammy. <laughs> God damn it, we got a 4K uncut Tammy and the T Rex. I didn't even think. They were going to get, you know, Tang T Rex with, with the the added like, more graphic killing Paul Walker. I did not know that. I thought that that was that was a Chinese thing and completely off the table. And you know that was you know next to Oli Sassone's Fantastic Four maybe is a near unattainable Grail quest. Mm-hmm. But you know that that's the rules for for format you know format standard architecture. Right. Uh, Brett, I know this was your first time watching Stargate. but It was. Zolly, you mentioned Showtime. That's where I first saw it. Uh, listeners of the show remember or will recall that I got a lot of films off of Showtime from between 93 and 95 because I had I lived out in the boonies and I had shit for cable. So you had two options for premium networks. It was HBO and Showtime. None of the other, not not HBO two, not HBO West. HBO two is stupid. Yeah, HBO. <laughs> it's better than HBO and Showtime. 
Because they have HBO, HBO Two, HBO West, HBO Latin, and HBO Comedy. Yeah. This because I lived with both, mm-hmm. and it's better to have the the two former competitors than just the HBO family of networks. Because mm-hmm. ultimately, you get the same cycle of shit. You did. Right. So we didn't get uh, a dish until about ninety nine or two thousand. So it was slim pickings for cable. We only showed time for a couple of years, but uh, yeah, we had recorded this off of Stargate or off of uh, Showtime. Enjoyed it thoroughly as a child. I had not revisited it since then. Um, I was a little worried about uh, my thoughts on it now going in, uh, but I thought you know, worst case scenario, we can just make a lot of crying game jokes and kind <laughs> of just make an episode out of that. But I was very surprised at how much I enjoyed it. So much so that I, I want to watch SG-1 now. And, like, for example, I, I grew up on Star Trek, the original show. Dad and I used to watch it all the time. Watched every episode several times throughout my childhood. But I've never seen TNG. I've always wanted to. I mean, I've seen, you know, flipping through pieces of it here and there but i've never really sat down and watched the series which is something i'll I'll do once i get enough time but so like what and it's not as iconic as tos because tos is uh has better writers you know like Mm -hmm. more better writers and is more the writing is more terrible and more you know for all times ish kind of but the as far as story characters people we like tng i think really to most people is star trek yeah um that's the eternal question kirk or picard you know it doesn't really matter (laughs) generations is you know answers that question for everyone says the thing i love you know pretty much all of one through six the films never watched past six never seen generations nemesis Personal contact, like, none of that. The, the the a lot of the original series fans hate it, but you know, nineties kids like it. Yeah, I did. Uh, I mean, of course, I I saw the J.J. Abrams stuff. I um, like first J.J. Abrams. I do as well. I I'm a bit reluctant to admit that in public, especially when I enjoy Star Trek in the Darkness. But um, I mean, this is a horrible movie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I do enjoy it though. Let's say that's good, but I enjoy it. I I think I think that Star Trek 2009 has like redemptive shamanistic therapeutic value. Right. I, I think that is a a truly great incarnation of of Star Trek. And I think Star Trek Beyond, it seemed like they were really trying to go back to the roots of the of the of the original series. Kind of felt like an original series episode to me. I mean on a massive scale and budget but they wanted to evoke that i think but they uh ended up getting really weird but the, the, the problem with those jj abrams movies is they had no identity of their own and that was something they they really struggled with you think they should have kept spock out of it i mean leonard nimoy i should say yeah that was that was a big problem and the problem I think it's starting beyond is I I think maybe Idris Elba was supposed to be Captain Archer. Okay. 
And when like Scott Bakula was like, absolutely not. <laughs> they, they, they changed it. I'm like, well, what if it was Luther? What if Luther was the guy who turned into the life force monster? So I forget which one Bakula was on. Uh, yeah, Star Trek Enterprise. Enterprise, okay. Yeah, and that's what, what Star Trek Beyond tries to take a shit Okay. And uh, you see that uh, Edris Elba is from the Star Trek Enterprise era with the Star Trek Enterprise uniform on, which is um, a prequel to Captain Kirk's Star Trek. Like, you know, set like 50 years in our future. Right. Uh, did you see Stargate as a young lad? Yes. In the theater or on TV? Or... I saw it on home video. Okay. Probably when it was brand new. A VHS or did you get the laser disc? Uh, it was VHS. It was theatrical. Yeah. No, it's Then I yeah. saw the Denica, then the Blu ray, another Blu ray. There's no 4K as of yet. That's right. So it needs one, Studio Canal. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I have the Blu-ray. I did not watch the extended cut. I did watch theatrical because I know that's what Brett was going to see on Prime. Theatrical cut and the extended cut are different only in one way. Okay, what's that? There's only one real difference. I mean, that I can remember. And in the theatrical cut, Kurt Russell when he he's shown like the time travel machine. And like the theory that James Spader's going to use to make it work, Kurt Russell's like he's full of shit. But in the special <laughs> edition, in the special edition, Kurt Russell doesn't say that. Okay, he just looks, you know, he's just—I don't know. Now, mind you, the special edition is like five minutes longer, but that's the only difference I can. Yeah, I think it's about eleven or twelve minutes longer, something like that. But every battle scene must be longer than like just five minutes, right? Minutes. But there's like no, uh, there's no like part like like Jay Davidson just <laughs> like about his dick or anything. It's not like that's not like you know in one version or the other. So uh, what did you think of it then? What do you think of it now? Um, back then I kind of thought it was like. A middling lesser Kurt Russell movie, like not really like like a, a lot, like like an inarticulate attempt at something, mm-hmm. a better score than it deserved. I thought at the time, like it, it, it yeah, it didn't deserve the the musical score. That it had. Yeah, it, it seemed to me like a John Williams knockoff, but I I really yeah. loved the score. If David Arnold probably I think in his first ever thing. Yeah. Well, to David Arnold, you know, he's James Bond, done yeah. a lot for Bond, yeah. But, like, that score is better than that movie. It's, like, up there with, like, Krull, the score for Krull. <laughs> and you can say the same thing about Krull, but I don't know. I don't want to compare Krull with Star Trek. But, yeah. Um, so what do you think of it now then? Is it your opinion changed? Does no, it hold up or is no. it still? I'm like, if it came if Stargate came out now, people would say it's the greatest movie ever made. <laughs> movies are so like dead. Movies are so yeah. Dead. Oh yeah. He's like, this is a great heart-filled adventure. It's mm-hmm. great way Indiana Jones wasn't. That's the thing. 
like, wow, this is a great movie. This is a great movie. And they'd be right. You don't think people would have a problem with the white savior complex uh, they, going they on might, there? But because uh, I don't know, they they might, but they also might not because they would give Roland Emmerich pass. Maybe that's not good. Well, they didn't. Then they go after him for like the Shakespeare movie. How do you? I'm not sure. I feel like nobody went to. Any of his movies that come out the last like three or four years. Well, they, they, you know, they're gonna go after him probably. Mm. You made you know ten thousand BC. Yeah. Day after tomorrow and all that. Speaking of which, dare I say Stargate is his finest film in his oeuvre. Uh, either that or Independence Day, yeah. I mean, yeah, Independence Day is less perfect. Independence <laughs> I know. Perfect. I, I will say I enjoy Independence Day better, but I think Stargate is a better film. It's more together, yeah. It is. Independence Day is like the thing that Michael Bay would would become. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a good point. Are we uh, dismissing the Patriot in this conversation? <laughs> I do enjoy the Patriot, but Patriot is, is isn't even like a Roland Emmerich movie because it's about America. That's one. true. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't it doesn't fit with the rest of his filmography. It's like a fake Wolfgang Peterson right wing movie made by Roland Emmerich. Like it's like you're not supposed, you're supposed to think it's a Mel Gibson movie. You're supposed to ignore the Roland Emmerich part. Well, Independence Day is pretty American as well. It is so American. It's so American, it could only be made by a foreigner. We got a message from the Americans. <laughs> They're organizing a counteroffensive. The last the last 20 minutes of Independence Day Part 2, Independence Day Resurgence. Ooh, never seen it. Really good, actually. The last 20 minutes. <laughs> the movie. So you got to sit through the first two hours? The first two hours, you're like... Well, not Bill Paxton. <laughs> the guy who's not Bill Paxton. Bill Pullman. Bill Pullman. <laughs> Bill Pullman like has a beard and he's like crazy, and then like the VA Fox like runs a hospital, and there's an earthquake. It's a terrible movie. It's a terrible movie. And the, the the people who commissioned that movie to be made is sadistic. That was like a taste of the sadism of the of the 2020s. Movies. <laughs> like, let's, let's, let's get ready. Well, I, mean, I am. Sorry. Go, go ahead, ahead Zoe. Finish oh, your you go I was going to say, IMDb says that Roland Emmerich has a movie called Stargate in development in which he is directing. I think it's a lie. I think that he's like always said that they're going to make more Stargate movies with Kurt Russell and James I believe that he's a lie. Yeah, I think that ship has sailed with those two. Actually, Maybe not James Spader. I mean, you could have him be an old, uh, the old professor type, but. I think Roland Emmerich may, might be done with America also. Like he might not be willing to come back. Mm. I don't know. Brett, this is your first time watching Stargate. Give us your general thoughts. I was underwhelmed. I was confused why you suggested this as a 90s action movie until about an hour and 15 minutes in. And then it's, not, it's an oh, hour in, about 58, 59 <laughs> minutes 
the platoon is ambushed and then and then somebody starts fighting yeah. i i'd say the uh the stuff before the stargate or like the stuff with them opening up the stargate felt kind of spielbergian uh kind of knockoff spielberg in a lot of ways we talked about the knockoff john williams score <laughs> uh so those are gonna kind of go hand in hand once they get through the stargate i i felt uh, a little bit of uh mad max beyond thunder dome thunder uh, i said that word thunder dome you ever have that word you can't get <laughs> and uh a little bit of return of the jedi with the uh the city and the village and all that stuff yeah they're they're um, pseudo ewoks <laughs> so yeah, it was okay. It wasn't uh, it wasn't terrible by any means, but I I didn't think it was that great or that good. Just uh, overall, I did like the uh, the stuff with the Egyptian gods with their their uh, costumes and and whatnot and and that stuff. But yeah, it didn't do a lot for me. I was to say you mentioned uh, their Egyptian clothes and the the weapons and stuff. Zali in the show, did they ever give a name to that? spear gun thing they, i don't know they try to make it even more um they try to make it more obtuse about the whole egypt thing they give the alien species like a name and they try to change a lot of what we think about the movie okay concept. but it, there's no real hard attempt made at uh making us think it's really that set in the same continuity do they expand the story to include more Stargates? Like more worlds have their own Stargate portal? Yes, they do. Okay. I don't know if they if they um go to other theme worlds. Like if there's an Egypt world, is there a samurai world? Is there a mm-hmm. wild west world? Like Westworld? And, well, I mean that is a good question. Like there is uh, is there if there's Stargate Atlantis, there could be Stargate, you know, Cowboys yep. and Dinosaurs. Yeah, but that's one of the iterations of the show, Stargate Atlantis. Yeah, like there's Stargate Universe or Dark Universe or something. Yeah. I, I, there's so many versions, and there's still more in development, I think, or theoretically there are. But that's why, another reason why I don't think that uh, Roland Emmerich will ever make any more Stargate movies is because the Stargate business is geared towards the show. Yeah, not and the movie would be. In the way of all that, and they don't want the you know Stargate movie to be you know with Richard Dean Anderson, that's, right? You know, right. That's a big if he was still young enough, that would be the way to go about a movie. You just base yeah. it off parts of the show. All right, well, let's uh, get down to the details here. You know, this movie was remade as uh, the History Channel's Ancient Aliens, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know that. That's where that comes from. Uh, so, Stargate came out in 1994, directed by Roland Emmerich, of course. Writers, Dean Devlin, and also um, Roland Emmerich. Stars, Kurt Russell as Colonel Jonathan Jack O'Neill. James Spader as Dr. Daniel Jackson. Jay Davidson plays Ra. Uh, Vivica Linforce played Catherine Langford. Alexis Cruz as Scara. Uh, Millie Avital as uh, Sharuri, Leon Rippey as General W.O. West, John Deal as Lieutenant Kowalski, uh, Daman Hansu as Horace, Eric Avari 
who's going to be coming to Crypticon here in Minnesota in a few weeks, but Kasuf. Not F. Murray Abraham, as I <laughs> thought as I was watching it. <laughs> also, uh, of note, Deban Hansu is credited only as Deban. <laughs> Those single names were popular back then. You know, Prince, Madonna, Leon. Very uh, exotic. Not the professional. I'm talking about Leon, the actor. Leon? Yeah. Speaking of French, French Stewart is in here. <laughs> Lieutenant Ferretti is his name. I didn't, I didn't even recognize him till the very end. <laughs> like I saw his name in the opening credits and I forgot. And then at the very end, I, I recognized him. First, we have the wonderful Richard Kind is Gary Myers. Dr. Gary Myers, I should say. Uh, although it's a bit disappointing seeing him in a serious role. Not that he can't do drama or serious. I mean, he's. He's serious in a, in a serious man, but he's hilarious. His character is. But um, great character actor, that Richard Kind. He gets embarrassed repeatedly in this movie. <laughs> yeah. On it. What the hell was that? I, I, think, I think somebody... No, I think somebody said Siri or something. She's like, I'm on it. <laughs> Sorry. I'm still not sure about that. I don't have a Siri. I'm it's, sure. uh, it's mine. It's it's popping up. <laughs> oh, uh, not cutting that out. <laughs> Any more thoughts on Richard Kind? I think he's cast for visual comedy. I always think it's weird when he shows up in movies because he seems like a TV actor to me. Yeah, I mean, he grew up watching Spin City, right? So he was in that, right? He was in Spin City. Yeah, I didn't watch that regularly, but I was aware of it. Yeah, he's done a ton of movies though, so it's weird. Like he's he's done a bunch of TV and movies, so it's I guess it's hard to pigeonhole him. Of course, he's right. cousin Andy on Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> Probably his best role. Yeah. All right. I guess I don't see anyone else of note in the cast list. I don't know if anybody else does, but synopsis. An interstellar teleportation device found in Egypt leads to a planet with humans resembling ancient Egyptians who worship the god Ra. It starts off in 1928 Egypt, I believe. And they find these, these yep. cap stones, these cover stones with hieroglyphics. And they also found uh, the, the Stargate itself. And then sometime between then and now, uh, that woman, that Langford, uh, she's, yeah. a, she's a young girl. In the beginning, and then she's an old lady. She's stealing, of... Just stealing artifacts. Yeah. Just uh, picking it up off the ground and claiming it for herself. Mm-hmm. The necklace with the pendant, the Eye of Ra on it. One thing uh, I mentioned to you, Eric, the other day while watching this movie, the one, one of the things that I noticed is, like, nobody is surprised at anything. <laughs> like, they have all these, like, first time ever you know discoveries and experiences and everybody acts like they've been there before like no nobody's like excited or uh shocked or surprised it's just like business as usual well i would counter by saying well everyone knows has been studying the the stargate and everything about it for years and so the basically done all this before everything's short of i guess opening the gate 
but it's um, like saying that they studied going to the moon for years and then they finally got <laughs> there and uh that was it <laughs> <laughs> well i mean no, spade spader is uh there's no fanfare nothing. spader is shocked from the first time he sees uh the stargate so i mean he's he's, he's, he's one surprised. of the only ones that has a reaction he's the he's the audience surrogate he's the He's the one who's going to give a reaction because everyone's kind of glancing over at Spader, like, get a load of this, huh? <laughs> You'll appreciate this. Whoops. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, they're really no selling it the, the whole time, you know, <laughs> and they're keeping certain things uh, secret until like you're on a need to know basis until you figure this out and then we'll tell you more and all that. Yeah. But or even when they go, even when they go to the other, uh, through the the portal to the other uh, planet, and it's like, oh, there's an animal I've never seen before. Let <laughs> me approach it and feed it a Fifth Avenue bar, which I have dozens yeah. of in my coat pocket. Well, it's like Prometheus. Just real quick, those characters uh, react. Oh, you haven't seen Prometheus? No. Well, the characters react. I was one of the big criticisms of Prometheus was them discovering this this new species on this new planet, or can't remember if it was an a- or a moon or an asteroid or whatever, but uh, there's this new species and they're all trying to, you know, interact with it. And oh, aren't you cute? Almost like pet it and whatnot. And things go terribly wrong, of course. Mm-hmm. Although you could almost forgive that by saying, well, those couple of guys that are doing that are, um, I forget what their technical role was, but they were doctorates or very learned men in that area of study. So they were probably seeing those creatures and being just fascinated, like wanting a new pet, but yeah, not taking the proper precautions. What do you, let's say you, Zolly, you agree? <laughs> uh, yeah, so Prometheus' main problem is the audience is just basically cognitive dissonance with the fact that it's just the fifth alien movie, really. Yeah. And uh, the characters are only there to be slaughtered. The 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 they only exist as pretext to slaughter. Yeah. They worrying about you know the, the meaning of life or how real they doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. These these characters are no more important than the characters yeah. in Insurrection or Alien versus Predator Requiem. Actually, you got to think of it like that. Couldn't you say the same for Aliens? No, Aliens. And all the like, soldiers. Alien and Aliens are great movies. Oh, yeah. Alien, they're, they're obviously young. way better than Prometheus. but Yes. Alien, everything after Alien, everything starting with Alien 3 is a problem. It's just a problem. <laughs> the, the closest thing that are the good movies after Aliens in that whole lexicon is Alien vs. Predator, the first one, by Paul Thomas Anderson. It's it's the good... It's you Paul, mean uh, Paul W.S. Anderson? Paul W.S. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is the that is the best follow up to Aliens. I thought Philip Baker Hall was great in Alien versus Predator. <laughs> yeah, no, I've never seen either of those. I saw Resurrection in the nineties, but I never saw the Alien versus Predator or, or Requiem. I'll say Alien versus Res- Alien Resurrection is much better than Alien Three. But there's yeah. no coming back from Alien Three. Really. I mean, is there a co- I've see I've never actually that's the only one I've never seen. I've never seen Alien Three because I've always yeah. read Fincher's dissertation on how the studio ruined it and 
basically I've just kind of like, well, if he disowns it, then I, why, why is there a, why should I watch it? Bullshit. David Fincher's all, all David Fincher's ideas were bad, especially yeah. the ones that made, especially the story related ones. His ownership or disownership, his disownership is based on how Gilmore and those people treated him, I guess. And that has no effect on, on anything, really. Not in, not in the final product. The, the movie's bad because it, it shits on aliens. Okay. And it, it gives you this, like, this fake Nine Inch Nails <laughs> industrial vibe. It, it's, it, people have learned to like it, but it, 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 it's the reason why there were no Predator sequels until 2010, probably. Because the alien Predator thing was completely ruined by Alien 3. It was completely ruined. Alien Resurrection was was them resurrecting themselves with Joss Whedon because David Fincher, not David Fincher himself, but David Fincher and everyone who agreed with him and before him and commissioned said project and ruined the shit forever. And it's never going to be unruined. Alien, the alien slash aliens brand will never escape the contaminant that is Alien 3. Well, I guess I'm glad I've never watched it. <laughs> you really should. So you understand how it all went wrong. Yeah. How it's all, why we're why it is the way it is, right? This uh, this is reminding me. Uh, the other day, I saw a quote from Neil Blomkamp, who said that it's entirely possible that Ridley Scott saw Chappie and then canceled my Alien movie. <laughs> I, I, I personally, the Neil Blomkamp Alien project was just a lie. Just made up. This is the lie, because the planting stories in the Hollywood press is so easy that these like fan wish come true shit things that you hear about are obviously made up things. And in, unless unless things answer some sort of like development, I just won't believe them. Now, what am I thinking of right now? I know it's almost like I'm thinking of Jodorowsky's Dune or something. Wasn't there somebody else that had a an alien idea or almost had a no, his new book, his, his new book with the idea to make uh wasn't there like a documentary or something that came out a few years ago about somebody other than Neil Blomkamp and uh, an alien film? Uh not Joe Duski's doing it was um yeah, I don't know what it was, but some other would be nobody. Yeah, I forget who it was. Neil, Neil Blomkamp's career got wrecked because he tied himself into uh in dying out with and when the band went, he went. It's that simple. He got too close to the rock and roll thing, and when they went, he went. Well, they they gave him a bunch of money to do Gran Turismo, even though his his last movie basically went straight to VOD and made zero money. Right. He made Gran Turismo. Yeah, they even put his name in the trailer. Like he was a selling point. Oh shit! That's even worse. <laughs> That's even worse. What I thought. I thought he hadn't made the movie since uh, Chappie. She yeah. made one in, uh, I think it was 2021. Yeah, um, well, at least he's still working. That's good. I forget what it was called. It was uh, it was like a VR possession movie. I say Elysium is his best movie, but it's ruined by Matt Damon. Demonic. Uh, Elysium is really his best oh. movie. by Matt Damon. Matt Damon is terribly miscast. 
<laughs> I remember seeing that in the theater and remember thinking like, oh, it's, uh, I mean, I like the idea of some of it. And then it just kind of went off the rails and I, I think they had this, they had like this that. tanning bed that could basically just fix you with any uh, injury you had. And like, here, here's a new life. Yeah. Uh, shot in the well, head, I mean, stick yeah, you in this overall, tanning booth and you're good to go. Right. Overall plot. I mean, plot. Yeah. His last movie was called Demonic. Came yeah. out in twenty twenty one. I don't even think it went to theaters. Yeah, I had no idea he made that Anyway, that's too bad. He's forgotten. He's just a hired hand now. He's nobody. But at <laughs> least he's working. Yeah. He's no longer a visionary director. Well, I think his biggest uh, problem is uh, who's that guy who was in all his movies. Uh, he was the alien in District 9, and he was the bad guy in Elysium. Charlotte Copley. Char- yeah, yeah. Charlotte or Charlotte Copley. I think his problem is that guy stopped collaborating with him. Yeah, and... <laughs> he's just refused to work with Neil Blomkamp anymore, apparently. I don't know why he stopped, because he's not getting work elsewhere. I, I mean, that's true. He did after District 9, and then three years after that, it's wasn't he old? The old boy was it for him, I think. Which when did Spike Lee do that? I forget. Twenty fourteen. Fifteen. Okay. Yeah, District nine was about twenty eleven. He was in Beast with uh, Idris Elba oh, last yeah. year, which is surprisingly good. I I really liked it. Yeah. And then he was uh, Ted and Ted K in twenty twenty one. So and he's he's still getting some work. Hardcore Henry, twenty fifteen. Yeah, we forgot that. Anyways, we should talk about Stargate a little bit, huh? <laughs> yeah, Stargate. <laughs> to bring it back to Stargate, my next note is uh, three dead kids in a row now, with Leon the Professional with our last episode, and then before that was uh, Virtuosity. Virtuosity. Thank you. And <laughs> I had this to say uh, in the last episode. Prior to this, Star of the Vengeance did not have a dead kid. And I don't think Stargate does. Although I'll have to re- it's been a while. It's been since the 90s since I've seen Stargate, I think. So we'll see if Kurt Russell plays a, I don't know, a broken down shell of his former self or something with a family that he lost. I don't know. but <laughs> well, And he is. <laughs> at least to, to start. Uh, well, even throughout, I mean, he's you find out later he's on a, I mean, if, if things even go just the littlest bit sour, it's, it's a suicide mission. And that's why he was chosen. That is true. He's given yes. up on life. <laughs> he's still got a wife though. You know? Yeah. But uh, yeah, you you find that out early on. The first time you see him is him crying in his dead son's bedroom, looking at his picture, holding a gun. <laughs> yeah. very subtle very subtle filmmaking <laughs> it's like that Zali uh, a few years back we did uh, Summer of Sam we called it which was an acronym it was Sylvester, Arnold and Mel Oh, and we did three movies for each actor <laughs> and it just so happened that we picked the three Arnold films that all had a scene in the Galleria which was Commando, Terminator 2, and then Total Recall, they say he's in uh, like third floor gallery or something. So a futuristic version of 
at least a Galleria. So we we connected the dots and but it was just a weird coincidence. And now we have three movies in a row with dead kids in the 90s. Because our six movies that we picked for the summer series were couldn't have been more random. Yeah. I mean, we had Leon, Virtuosity, Stargate, Dire with a Vengeance. Uh, what else we do? We'd Rumble in the Bronx and the True Lies. Lies. Yeah. Just a random assortment of films. And then we had three in a row, Dead Kids. <laughs> <laughs> Although uh, the, the last two had hammy villains. I uh, would not call Jay Davidson hammy. There's other things I could call him, I guess. But um, yeah. Uh... That rhyme with hammy? <laughs> kind of i don't know is that a a real rhyme i guess by extension but uh, by association but uh no he was riding high off of crying game and then he did this film one year later crying game was 93 and then he just quit acting i forget what else he i forget what he did before if he was uh in fashion or modeling or uh, singing i forget have to so we have to do the, the quick research on Jay Davidson, but yeah, he what's that? I don't really know what became of him. I know by that I I I know that he doesn't look like that anymore. Oh but, really? Uh in acting or modeling or whatever it is. Maybe look, in a bad experience. I'm not sure. I mean he doesn't look like that anymore, like he transitioned or no, like he's like fat. He's oh, oh, he's gained weight. Okay. He looks like what the, someone who stopped using HDH. Okay. During the 90s, he was an open homosexual, so it wasn't like a, a secret or anything. Well, he's not He's not recognizable today. Okay. Because, yeah, he swore off acting after Stargate, so I don't know if Kurt Russell called him the dreaded F-bomb. He's probably a pool party. Oh, no. Oh, no. Google him and uh, the, the you get a picture of him with uh, a short hair, uh, glasses, black rimmed uh, pla- glasses, goatee, got tattoos all over his oh, upper he's body. Bad. He looks like Carlos Lasardo from uh, he's he's Italian, but he pretends to be Mexican in movies, <laughs> like, like Mark Ruffalo in Collateral. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, who who did you say died of COVID, Zolly? I thought he may have died of COVID. Oh, did he? Mm. No, no. Well, he's like still he's alive, still right? Alive. Yeah. yeah, and just check. He looks like Robert Lasardo now. <laughs> well, he did come back in two thousand nine for a short called the Borgild Project as a Nazi photographer, which is kind of ironic. Because uh, I don't think he would fit in with them, right? Uh, he's got that. He 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 fit. He I think would fit in like a Milli Vanilli Nazi regime. <laughs> you know what I mean? I am doing that description. Or he would have in Stargate, not like now. Now he looks like he's, he's right. going to be anarchy or something. Well, the the tattoos uh, might uh, might get him in. Uh, it's hard to tell. He, he looks too. He looks too. Uh, like he, he looks like he's gonna be on, you know, an extra on on, on the Mayans or something. Like that. That's how he looks now. 
Maybe he looks different every era. You know, it's like part of his, his self-hatred. I don't know. I guess we haven't really talked about Kurt Russell that much yet. This is kind of his last hurrah, isn't it? Yeah, this is his last really big movie. Because after this was was Soldier and Escape from L.A., and they both bombed. They were bombed, yeah. But Escape from L.A. is like his greatest final. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I can appreciate it now. But, I mean, you know, oh. obviously at the time, it just he led to him getting yeah. nothing for about 10 years. Yeah. But Stargate is his last hit. Yeah, it's his last successful movie. That's big. Until his resurgence, of course, and Death Proof. Yes. But, I mean, well, I don't know. No Death Proof. I mean, Grindhouse was a... That was a bomb, yes. But, I mean, I think it kind of brought him back because everyone that watched Death Proof loved Russell. But, I mean, that as as far as Kurt Russell was, they did not make money. Grindhouse would be at the top of that list. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, movies really, movies really live on video. Pretending that the theatrical engagement is kind of a lie. They live forever on home video in the cultural. Do you buy into the theory that Weinstein set Grindhouse up to fail because of his oh. problems with Rose McGowan? I I think that that the 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 the, the movie public, people who go see movies in the theater. Or just not reverse the forty second street thing, and they had yeah. no intention of doing that. They were not the 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 people who bought Sin City, the special edition on DVD. Not all of those people were willing to sit for four hours, right? Uh, because the, the problem with I know you I know you do theatrical booking and stuff, but the problem with with movie time lengths is they do reflect when they start and stop. And Grindhouse was over three hours. Yep. And it was a horror movie. It was slotted like a horror movie. Yeah. This was this was twenty years ago. This wasn't today, where there's you know a thousand screens where R R R R R is playing. This right. is this was it was I, I if I recall correctly three hundred was playing the same week. Okay. So like. You know, it, it got killed probably by other movies. But what Grindhouse was was it set up to fail? It only would have succeeded in a parallel universe or if they released both movies separately. But my belief is that the Rob Rodriguez movie would fail because it's not a Quentin Tarantino movie. What they really should have done is they really should have called Grindhouse Quentin Tarantino's Grindhouse. And Rob Rodriguez should have gotten wise and just sublimated his his name into the Tarantino thing, like from dusk till dawn, to make it more you know whatever. But he didn't he didn't learn he didn't figure out you know that element until he entered Star Wars. I guess that having your name appear isn't that important. Yeah, it looks like three hundred was released about a month beforehand. A month beforehand, but he was still probably playing. Yeah. Oh yeah, and it, you know three hundred did great. Yeah. And then 300 is like 90 minutes long. Because of, because of the boss. We we forgot to boss, mention the Rebel Moon trailer dropped yesterday. Rebel Moon. Just quickly. is The trailer for Rebel Moon is the first great trailer since the trailer for Star Wars Episode 1 in Christmas of 98. <laughs> oh, no, I'm serious. I know. I know you're a big fan of Phantom Menace. An unabashed fan. 
I'm just honest, you know. Yeah. I'm I'm done watching Kevin Smith cry. I, I you don't you don't care about all the the trade talk and stuff. You can see past it. I'm a rich inner life to everything. That's how world building is done. It has no. more than just a good pod racing scene and a lightsaber battle. It, it is, it is as Lucy Lee says, the eighth wonder of the world. Duel of Fates might be the best piece of score in Star Wars history. I, I don't know if I know that much. <laughs> it's close though. I mean, it's hard to top the original it's score. The music of the prequels and the music of the Star Wars trilogy is really different mm-hmm. because John Williams changed so much as a <laughs> no i mean he really did he, he no no we're, i'm just laughing because uh brett and i like to talk about john williams a lot because of his uh that the whitest kids you know sketch about john williams have you seen that zolly i've seen almost every episode but i can't remember anything because so long ago so long ago well anyway tell me the sketch there's a, there's a sketch where john williams is trying to write the perfect love theme for the Star Wars Indiana Jones crossover for when Short Round marries an Ewok. <laughs> and so it's just like him going around his normal day going, and then uh, he wakes up in the middle of the night with the perfect melody and he tells it to his wife. And then in the morning, he, he forgets it and he asks her to sing it back to him and she doesn't know. And uh, he gets all pissed off at her, and then challenges her to a song, a, a songwriting contest, which oh, the uh, son Sherwin will uh, will judge. And then they uh, they have a a songwriting contest at the end. <laughs> well, yeah, John Williams's music in the nineties is different than his eighties and seventies music. Sure. With Rebel Moon, though, uh, so there's two parts. There so isn't far. all that I was gonna I was gonna ask that next. So there isn't too much time in between parts one and two. No, I think much. it's what December twenty second for the first part, no, and then April later. for the second part. Six months later, less than six months later. Less than six months. Rebel Moon Part Two. Do you have any uh, inklings as to what the uh, runtime will be on these two. There will be two runtimes for both movies, and I don't know what they'll be. I hope that they're very, very long. I Me hope too. the long yeah. versions are very, very long. Very, very long. Do you think Netflix is influenced at all by the Snyder Cut in that yes, Max you know, released it all four hours together? Do you think they would do two four-hour films? Not initially. I don't think we'll get the four-hour Rebel Moon Part One Hell of Fire for maybe. Um, I don't know. Maybe they'll debut simultaneously. I don't know. But um, I know that we. I mean, it, we 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 like to think that we got all four parts of Justice League all at once, but it really took us like five years. Right. And. Pretending the Justice League is four parts is kind of stupid. That whole addendum <laughs> thing is a caveat, so it doesn't qualify like as a movie or something, and like yep. some sort of some bullshit. I have no idea why they do. They well, those those parts are certainly an imposition from the network. 
that should be removed. And they don't even have the uh, the full addendum, right? Because they don't have the Green Lantern. I don't know if the Green Lantern is the addendum. I think Green Lantern may have appeared before the final battle. I do not know. We do not know what the ultimate Snyder Cut of Justice League looks like. Mm. It still remains in our future. So you think Green Lantern would have maybe shown up in the final battle? No, I think maybe uh, like he shows up and like Batman is like, you can't help because Green Because he's black? <laughs> no, not because he's black. Yeah, what happened? He wouldn't let me play on Pro Tour anymore. Oh, I'm sorry. Because you're black? Hell no. Damn alligator bit my hand off. Oh my God. Yeah. He's like, you know, not, Green Lantern is not, it's not going to it's not uh, in in the flying fox. <laughs> don't get so many of us in the flying fox. We cannot They announced a, a video game. Yes, it comes out after the second film. Expanded universe of yes, after Rebel Moon two, the expanded universe of Rebel Moon begins. With multimedia stuff, video games, tie-in novels, tie-in comics. High end coloring books, high end soap bottles, mugs. Um, you working at the wonderful Cedar Cliff Collectibles? Yes. Do you, uh, for like the co comics wise, for Rebel Moon? I cannot discuss the previous Diamond Catalog experience, but I can say, I can say <laughs> that uh, there are some cool Rebel Moon action figures. Okay, nice. Too. Maybe. I don't know. Are you privy to the comics uh, like when they're going to be released? What the, uh, ideas they have for them? That sort I, of I thing? Cannot, I, cannot discuss, I cannot discuss the, the, the contents of the previous catalog. But um, there, there's a lot of stuff. There's a board game, two board games. One of them is unlicensed. Actually. <laughs> there, there's, there's a lot of demand. Demand. But I actually don't remember who's putting out the comic. Because I only remember Marvel and DC. I forget. You know, Dark Horse, IDW, Boom, Oni Press. Not because I don't love them. But it's because uh, the big two <laughs> are the only ones that matter. Okay, so you can't talk about the catalog. Can you, can I you give us a date of when these are I expected to come out? I think April. I think April. Okay. I think like all the plastic is is going to be in the spring because by the time people have watched Rebel Moon, A Child of Fire, twelve hundred thousand times, they will want to buy you know their own Jimmy the Robot vacuum figure, or Sophie Butella action figure, or Corey Stoll action figure, or uh, or uh, Aaron Hunam or whatever his name, Charlie Hunam action figure. Yeah, I'm assuming yeah. once January hits. Your daily routine will involve going to Netflix, daily clicking on Rebel Moon, and then just going to work and leaving it play while you're at work. No, it doesn't. No, you watch it at work. Remember, you take Netflix with you. <laughs> but you gotta get. You're on Twitter. You're on Instagram. Yeah, well, you're everywhere. Playing at work. on the computer, people would be like, "What are you watching, Zeke? Watching Rebel fucking Moon?" Because you're also making. Wonderful uh, vlogs and uh, well, that, that's, uh, that's, nice that's, series on your YouTube channel. Long, a long form documentary about the main man in the industry. 
in the industry as it narrows beneath our feet. Comic Shop Apocalypse, for those that are, are not in the know, check out Zolly, the Zolly Becker Show on YouTube to subscribe and check out uh, all of the episodes of Comic Shop Apocalypse. Yeah, like and subscribe. But yeah, this is, uh, people don't believe me when I say that. But it, it is it is it is a funnel for everything as the market collapses, and <laughs> yeah. it'll all end up there. It's a Christie's auction house, but better, it's better than Christie's auctions. So, with Rebel Moon, you were not uh, offended by the appearance of a, what appeared to be a couple of lightsabers in no, parts well, of the I trailer. Mean, I don't really think since Star Crash, Star Wars has a real I don't think Star Wars has a monopoly on the laser sword sure. as, as a film weapon. They, they invented it, certainly. Maybe they didn't. Maybe there's a, 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 a previous version of it that I'm just not aware of, but it doesn't spring to mind. But, you know, a magic sword, if you will. But um, the laser sword is, you know, when, if David Hasselhoff has one, then so can anyone else. <laughs> All right. Well, Excited for that, of course. Um, Rebel Moon. Check it on Netflix uh, in December. Is it going to have a limited release? I don't know. I mean, I, I, we were, we're all hoping yeah. that it's in theaters worldwide. Want to see but Dolby or IMAX or something. Netflix movies in the theater. Actually, movies in the theater after Ian Jones, I think, are on its way up. Right? <laughs> People are just going to not do that. You didn't see Barbie, Zolly? I mean, I saw I saw Barbie and Oppenheimer, but I think that uh, no, Barbie and Oppenheimer were made in a world that hadn't seen Indiana Jones five yet. Because <laughs> nobody five. did. <laughs> you know what I mean? They Except were, you. The 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 effects and the A listers like Brett. The effect the effects of 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 Indiana Jones five and the Flash haven't been culturally felt yet. In, in our entertainment media yet. Well, you will see some, you know, like like Shamu the Whale killing people level shit, level movies. That's what you're going to see next. You're going to see, you know, comedies that have tragic endings. You're going to see... You know, Beetlejuice 2, perhaps? Yeah, who knows? Tragic ending? Maybe maybe they stage an intervention and Beetlejuice, you know, goes to live <laughs> so, sober living. In Arizona, fights <laughs> forces, and that's the end. And as an confusing and ambiguous ending that upsets fans of the original, they do it just to stick the knife in. Or maybe Beetlejuice Two doesn't even come out because Warner Brothers is out of business and has no abilities to put movies in the theater. <laughs> they're, they're getting close. I know Bobby made a lot of money, but making a lot of money when you've lost all that money is not help. It's not an help. I can't believe that Warner Brothers is it's like 40 some billion in debt. Yeah. Something like that. But Barbie, Barbie is just a a a, a rounding error. It's a drop of the bucket. Yeah, drop of yeah the bucket. it's nothing. One million uh, or one billion. Or uh, one billion less in debt. No, you're more like still a billion in debt. Because they probably yeah. only made like a million dollars on Barbie. I bet yeah. Mattel on Barbie's money. I mean, right. it's their thing. I mean, like, first of all, Warner Brothers is like, hey, Mattel, can we license a Barbie movie? <laughs> <laughs> like, sure. 
Okay. So, yeah, I mean, whatever. I don't really know what distributor would actually, you know, split with movie theaters. I mean, it's probably very good for AMC and, and Odeon and Imagine, but yeah. not ultimately. At the end of the day, I mean, I can't bring up uh, Orion Pictures, how Orion Pictures had the greatest critical and financial success once they were gone, you know, with Dances with Wolves and, and Sounds of the Lambs. They were out of business by that point. You know, they, Orion is back. And they yes, only, but, they only make they, movies by uh, minorities and uh, homosexuals. Are they actually Orion, though, or are they just call themselves Orion? I don't know. They're called Orion, but it's like they put out Till and uh, like there's a, a bunch of other, I don't know, but not a bunch, but like uh, all their movies or all their advertising is like uh, we give uh, black women the ability to make movies. And that's their whole shtick now. Well, if you remember, there was like something called New Canon a while ago. And they announced all these successor projects to like American mm. Ninja. It was it, that, and I thought that maybe Orion is like similar to that, where it's like a fake successor studio based on basement boy nostalgia. Yeah, I forget. There's a, it's a subsidiary of a bigger studio now, I think. And you know, they, they probably just bought the naming rights and uh... yeah, I think it's just the name because Orion is with MGM, which is Disney. Ultimately, I I can confirm that after Barbenheimer, the hype uh, died down. Theatrical audiences have plummeted in size. Yeah. Although it's it's funny that you know Blue Beetle they got you know number one with twenty five point whatever million. It was surprising that Barbie still had over 21. It was about 21 and a half million for Barbie. And I think it was its fifth weekend. At least. It's got to be at least fifth. Fifth or sixth. Because I think it was the 19th or so that Barbie and Oppenheimer came out, 19th or 20th. And Barbie still made like 21 and a half. And James Gunn only made about 25. Although he could write it off as saying, well, this was supposed to be a, a max streaming film. And we. We're playing with house money since we made it a theatrical exhibition, but the the whole advertising was that it was filmed for IMAX. <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't. Are you telling me they just put an I in front of that and uh, went with it? <laughs> I'm gonna give a snack for a second. I'll be right Go back. for it. But I just want to reiterate that uh, MGM also on Stargate. That <laughs> 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 maybe. Then maybe why there's no 4K at the moment. Uh, <laughs> it would be through them and Paramount. Yeah. Not uh, a rhyme. But yeah. Look that. We are very lucky to have Zolly with us. <laughs> Such a great guest. Uh, I think we're, we're pretty much done talking about Rebel Moon, even when he gets back. But uh, we're all excited for that, of course. Well, thanks. Uh, I hope you enjoyed our show on Stargate. <laughs> uh, I was going to bring other stuff, but well, I guess I was going to say that I, you know, I used to be privy to the this the studio cuts for films that would come out between the theaters because I remember uh, I can't remember if it was Avatar or The Dark Knight Rises. I think was the first film to get a ninety ten split studio to theater. In its first week of release, yeah, its first weekend, 
And then it, you know, it goes down second weekend, probably 80, 20, then 70, 30. And then it levels out and never really gets below probably 60 or maybe 55 to the studio and rest of the theater. So that's why like some of the small town theaters, they might wait a week on like huge movies. Yeah. Especially if there's not another theater nearby, like, you know, fuck it. We're just going to take a bigger cut next week. Cause next closest theater is an hour away. Everyone's just going to wait. But, uh, you know, with the theatrical landscape nowadays, I don't believe that a studio could have the power to say we're taking 90. So I think they got to be taking 80 tops, you know, Barbie and Oppenheimer were both tracking high and they both exceeded expectations yeah. for the first weekend, both of them. But I got to think that the studios were just hounding the theaters forever, trying to get more screens. And I don't think they could be, Asking for 90% cut on the first weekend. I think there was 80, 85 tops or something. I mean, I know there's a lot of buzz about them both, but that's a hallmark or a, you know, a, a great indicator of a, a healthy theatrical exhibition market that the studios can ask for 90% because <laughs> the the theaters are, are dying to have them. A lot yeah. of films like that. Nowadays, not so much. And it's funny that all the streamers have been losing money. Oh, big time. They're all losing. Uh, Disney lost like 11 million subscribers last month. <laughs> it's just crazy numbers for Disney. I've I've seen it coming for the past few years, but to see it manifest itself has just been very rewarding. And I can't wait to see how much money they lose because I know it's only a matter of time before they start selling things off. Some people think, okay, they're going to sell Disney back to, or they're going to they're going to sell Star Wars back to George Lucas uh Marvel there you know, there's plenty of ideas people have but I just want them to sell 20th century back to somebody sell it back to Fox I don't care why would George Lucas want Star Wars back at this point right I mean he got his billion dollars maybe he's that guy, he's got that big of an ego I don't know on the Star Wars ranch you know, he's been very upset and unsatisfied with uh, the new trilogy and most of the new shows. I'm sure he's enjoyed some of it. No There's got to be some episodes of The Mandalorian or something that he's been like, well, that was that was decent. That was okay. And his Ewok costume, talking to Diane Sawyer. <laughs> Will Sasso. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on Mad TV. Taking it around the Skywalker Ranch on his golf cart. Oh. <laughs> uh. I guess while well, Zoli's gone, let's get let's go back to Stargate in our first clip. Sure, uh, we're we're literally like two minutes in. We'll do the bullet points of the plot. We don't have to go through it all. But uh, we talked about the little girl that took the the trinket in the beginning. She grows up to be an old woman, and she sits in on a a lecture being given by James Spader, who's an expert on the Egyptian cultures and generations and all that. Here's this lecture that she walks in on that seems to offend a lot of people that are present. Every other major architectural structure at the time was covered with detailed hieroglyphics. When is the academic community going to accept the fact the pharaohs of the fourth dynasty did not build the great pyramids? Look, look, inside the pyramid, the most incredible structure ever erected, there are no writings whatsoever. Dr. Jackson. Left out the fact that Colonel Weiss 
discovered Quarryman's inscriptions right. of Khufu's name within the pyramid. Well, his discovery was a fraud. Well, I hope you can prove it. Well, who do you think built the pyramids? I don't have any idea who built them. I mean, that men from Atlantis? <laughs> or Martians, perhaps? <laughs> the point is not who built them. The point is when they were built. I mean, we all know new geological evidence dates back to a much earlier period. And knowing this, I think we have to begin to reevaluate everything we've come to accept about. I mean, I've, I've been able to show a fully developed writing system appeared in the first two dynasties, you know, which almost as if it was based on an even earlier prototype. Is there a lunch or something that, that everybody? People did not care for it. They were shocked, appalled. Well, no, there was a lunch. Everybody was late. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Zali, while you were gone, we were talking about, you know, box office and the state of theatrical exhibition in this country, Barbie and Oppenheimer. I work at a theater, but I'm not privy to the, the cuts these days. Studio to theater. You can uh, probably confirm, I forget which film was the first film to get a studio 90 to 10 cut. Was it Avatar? What was it Dark Knight Rises? Probably Dark Knight Rises. Okay. I I want to say, I know Avatar at least got an 80, but I thought maybe I could have gotten maybe gotten a 90 to 10 cut in the first weekend because then you know that it it goes down every weekend after. But I was thinking, you know, for Barbie and Oppenheimer, I don't think studios are in the position to to garner a 90% cut. I think they're getting 80 at most. Yeah. Maybe Barbie Oppenheimer is getting 85 or something just because of the crazy buzz it got on social media. But by and large, Mission Impossible, Indiana Jones, I don't think these studios are getting more than 80. They do not do well, though. And I think ultimately Barbie will not be on paper as successful as they say in the trance because they'll want to deduct shit from it. Of course. Like Barbie never made money. I mean, with that. Margot Robbie's already going to make about fifty million, you know, with the with the profit sharing and the, the points yeah. on the back end. You know, they well, they'll claim that they never, they'll claim they never made money. <laughs> yeah. well, they'll claim. Well, I mean, a studio's never made money off of any film. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Go by the books. Well, that's uh, you know, you say that. Uh, there's recently a headline <laughs> about the uh, actress who plays the nun suing Warner Brothers yes. for. Stealing her royalties on uh, toys and merchandise. That's right. In the Conjuring universe. <laughs> yes. It's a pretty yes. big, successful universe. I got to yeah, yeah, hand yeah. it to him. But the, the Nun 2 is going to make big bucks at the box office. People, People are doing movies. well, yes. But will it, how much will it do for Warner at the end of the day? I mean, they probably uh, spent too much on it, but. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Comparatively speaking, to it will not save you. It will recent not save releases. It will not save you. Warner is completely fucked. Completely. Getting back to Stargate, I, Stargate. Was, <laughs> I will say that um, when I watched it last weekend, watched a Friday night, and I didn't really get much sleep the whole week with the you know the kid and I know I just. Six hours a night was like tops of what I was getting. And 
that isn't, I guess, new to me over the past year or so, but I was expecting to kind of be disappointed by Stargate and fall asleep and then have to finish it the next day. But I was enthralled throughout. I, I couldn't, I was very surprised at my reaction to it. I haven't seen it since the 90s. And I just really enjoyed the journey. It kind of, I almost felt like I love Interstellar. I know that's kind of controversial in some circles, but you either love it or you hate it. But I really felt like I was, you know, taking on a journey away from Earth to a place where Matt Damon tries to murder you on an ice planet. <laughs> and then you end up in a bookcase. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, I really love the idea of this and the, I really felt like the, the special effects I thought held up pretty well for 94, especially after seeing Virtuosity from 95. I thought the special effects were much better than Virtuosity. And I really enjoyed the Stargate journey that I was on. Transported me to another world across the, you know, they talk about the other end of the universe, basically, is where this planet is. Makes no sense without the Egyptian. <laughs> no, it just doesn't. Well, no, it just no, it makes sense because that's why the people on Earth were Egyptian because of the planet over there. It's you talked about ancient aliens earlier. That's that's what this no, is, no, right? No, the, the same same language and everything it doesn't mean. Yeah. Well, what does Spader say? It says it's a it's an ancient language that hasn't been spoken it's in a it's thousand so years, yeah. but once you know the vowels or yeah. whatever. It's a rare dialect. It's so improbable. So improbable. <laughs> so improbable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, you mentioned the beast, Brett. I think it was you who mentioned the beast, right? Beast? What? The beasts on the new planet once they go through the Stargate. Oh, thought, yeah, the animal, yeah. Yeah, I thought yeah, they dressed up is. the horses pretty well. <laughs> is that what there's it was? A, a there's a couple of shots where you can just see that they... Just put these big costumes on a bunch of horses. That's what it looked like to me. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell what, what they were. If they were just like people in a costume or uh, an actual anim animal with something on it. We don't have all that many clips for it. We just played a couple, but uh, I think we only have about two more for Stargate. And I think we can get into the, uh, the second one uh, because outside of that conference... Basically, Spader uh, lets us know that he's he's basically destitute. Yeah, I think he was evicted from his place, and he has no money, and he's just he's got nothing left. So, luckily, this old lady came in and said, "Hey, want to come work for the government?" There's a cab there, or a limo, or something to pick him up. He was entranced by her eye of raw necklace. Yeah, <laughs> which she stole in 1928. <laughs> That's how you knew it was the same girl. <laughs> yep. They take him to uh, some sort of a government-owned facility where they're keeping the Stargate and all these people that are researching it for years and years. He deciphers it in two weeks. <laughs> yeah. So they've spent <laughs> at least two years trying to decipher some of these hieroglyphics or symbols on these these cover... What do you call them? Cover... I think it was uh, a replica that they made, wasn't it? It wasn't like... Uh... Like an actual like uh, rock thing that they had over the the Stargate. I, I thought it was just something that they, the, they uh, built up so they could actually like study it without like messing it up. I think like the cover tablets or something, whatever it was. Maybe it was found underneath them, so it was almost like directions for the Stargate. Maybe that it was 
that it was housed in. But uh, uh, the next clip is, uh, yeah, him figuring it out after about two weeks. As soon as he shows up, Richard Kind had a chalkboard set up with basically all the research, all the findings that he'd had over a couple of years. And Spader just crosses everything out like this is wrong. And there was like <laughs> one word that Richard Kind had correct. Yeah. And it was like in the wrong order, too. He's just rewritten everything. And <laughs> so it's very easy for him, but he solves the, the Stargate mostly in about two weeks. Who knew that the Egyptians had a symbol for Stargate? <laughs> yeah, it's like improbable. It's so improbable. <laughs> He's like, see, it's Stargate. <laughs> Not surprised. This is not shocking. And what, yeah, that anyway, is funny that he wrote down because he's writing the words underneath the hieroglyphics. Yeah, and he writes down Stargate, <laughs> like it's one word, no hyphen, no space, no nothing. How did you not get this, you dummy? Who who translated <laughs> this? He's a great geographer. <laughs> all right, here's the clip. Is it? He's uh, the briefing that he's. He's debriefing all the, the generals and whatnot, everyone involved. And Kurt Russell's there because they got him from, they got him away from his house where he's just mourning his dead kid all day. Got his haircut on the way. <laughs> his haircut is immaculate, is it not? Most perfect crew cut you could uh, you could find. Me, General West. Oh, oh, right, So you think you've solved in 14 days what they couldn't solve in two years? Two years? Any time. I have some stuff to look at. Uh, you just pass, pass them down. Um, you'll have to share them because I'm sorry I don't. <laughs> I'm sorry I don't have enough. But anyway, uh, okay. All right, we're obviously looking at a picture of the cover stones. Now, on the outer track, these figures that you would believe to be words to be translated were, in fact... Sorry about that. Were, in fact, star constellations. Now, these constellations were placed in a unique order, forming a map or an address of sorts seven points to outline a course to a position and uh, to find a destination within any three-dimensional space you need six points to determine an exact location you said you needed seven points well no six for the destination but to chart a course you need point of origin except there's only six symbols in the cartouche well the seventh actually isn't inside the cartouche it's just below it here designated by a little pyramid with two funny neat little guys and funny little line coming out of the top <laughs> anyway the he did it. No. That symbol isn't anywhere on the device. Well, what device? Show it. 
James Spader never really took in Hollywood, did he? No. Sex Lies and Videotape. Uh, big hit in 89, I believe. One can. And then i not sure what he did until this. I know he was in a few films. Can't place it. was like his biggest Hollywood movie at that point. What's that? Starting it was his biggest movie, Hollywood movie at that point. Right. I think that was supposed to be like his coming out party. Yeah. And then I, and Stargate was a hit, but yeah. I don't remember uh, it leading to much work for James Spader in 95 or 96. No. And he's not an Emmerich, uh, you know, he could have been the Jeff Goldblum character in Independence Day, and he wasn't. No, he was not. Yeah. I guess I'm not sure if Emmerich is one of those directors who yeah. works with actors a lot, but. Yeah, um, he changes it up. Unless you're Vivica A. Fox. Spader followed up Stargate with David David Cronenberg's Crash. Oh, that's yeah. right. Which may explain why uh, he did not get much work after that. It, you know, it's about sex, so I got to get the guy from Sex, Lies, and Videotape. <laughs> he did appear on Seinfeld in 97. Well, <laughs> the second Avengers movie is the bad guy. It's a pretty big deal. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, Contrary to public opinion, I, I don't mind his character in the office. Yeah, I do I mean, enjoy it. He has like a TV show that's on for a million years. Sorry, what's that? He's that TV show. The uh the blacklist. Yeah. Oh yeah. I've heard so that. Like, that's that was popular when it was on. Yeah, he's obviously sustaining. But you know, he had he was well known in the 80s. He had several oh. roles, several famous roles. The Office, obviously, I still prefer Steve Carell, but I did enjoy uh, Spader's character. Not everyone did, but anywho, what happened to French Stewart? <laughs> this was pre, I don't think Third Rock from the Sun started until, what, 95, 96? Yes, this is before any of that. So he did this, then Third Rock from the Sun, yeah. then not much else. Yeah, that was it. He's done. That's so weird. You know, he was the he was the Chandler of Third Rock from the Sun. Yes, he was. <clears throat> and it did not lead to anything. I also wanted to point out, we talked about this numerous times uh, this summer and last summer. Uh, we finally have another another smoking hero, Kurt Russell smoking cigarettes throughout. Yep. Bruce Willis and Die Hard with a Vengeance. He smokes one cigarette in the beginning, and that's it. Always. In Dire 2, he's smoking heavily still. But in the 90s, you know, they're phasing out the cigarettes. But uh, Stargate 94, it seemed like the early 90s is when the last heroes really smoked cigarettes. Can you think of any Zolly in the mid to late 90s that smoked yes. cigarettes? He gives um, big tobacco and all that. Yeah. But I mean, can you, can you think of any uh, characters in the mid to late 90s that were Big smokers, not, not after Die Hard of the Vengeance, no, right? And that was 95, yeah, it was pretty much phased out, yeah. And in Stargate, Kurt Russell uh gives a cigarette to a child. <laughs> well, I think he's probably of age, he's probably 18. There's he's no a, rules in fake Egypt, he's a mil, he's a military age. The, mo the most insane thing about Stargate is like 10,000 years later. 
Egypt planet has the same language and culture that they did in ancient Egypt forever. Like it doesn't involve change or whatever. They don't the the aliens don't decide to like build normal buildings with like technology as opposed to like have you know <laughs> Egyptian ill stuff. I mean it's it's it does that it's it's some problem. Well, you know, the, there's their spaceship is that pyramid, and it's it seems like they just that's base the off their, their the structures off of that. Well, they banned oh, reading and writing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they did ban reading or writing. Thank you, Brett. And uh, I kind of got the feeling that it it wasn't the only planet they were ruling over, given right. that yeah, they, had the they, they, they were the ban reading writing for ten thousand years, and it still is the same. There's no bleed over. They're just using them to mine whatever that mineral was. But still, I mean, unobtainium makes, <laughs> makes the bomb go so, bigger. It's, it's just two thousand, you know, two thousand with over two thousand years. It makes no sense. Ten thousand, you know, more than that, billions of years. That's uh, not believable. Well, now that James Spader has brought his technology and guns they can start evolving <laughs> well i mean yeah but i'm just saying like, i think the aliens even would like domesticate the planet like like get it up to code <laughs> so we can you know enjoy ourselves because we're here forever uh speaking of uh the great pyramids and the aliens themselves their spaceship is a big great pyramid uh, it seems like they, you know, looking at it, it looked like the Tyrell Corporation did it not from Blade Runner. Yes. Yes. It looks like uh, Dean Devlin and Emmerich were just watching Blade Runner and just they go, that that would be a cool spaceship, right? Let's let's put a building in space. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's weird that like the rest of the fake Egypt doesn't reflect that after like you know a billion years, right. <laughs> I like that the spaceship was just like a pyramid koozie or cozy or whatever you call it. Oh, yeah. It was like, it was like a toaster cover almost. You know, <laughs> it just fits perfectly over the top of the <laughs> the, the pyramid to keep it, uh, keep it fresh yeah. and clean until you need to use it again. Their mission in this film is to basically let's do some re reconnaissance. Let's, let's go through the Stargate. Let's see what's on the other side. The hush hush mission to uh, Kurt Russell is, hey, if there's any trouble over there, just blow up the Stargate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, they they send a probe over first for about five minutes, right? And then they decide to send humans over, right? Like, oh, I, it's just like our planet, but it's on the other side of the the universe, and we can still track it because that's how our technology works. Well, there's a a bit of trepidation, but James Spader says, no, I I can figure it out. <laughs> well, when we get was, over there. Uh, I'll be able to decipher the symbols and get us back home. Easy. Yeah. Like yeah, he is the... so gung ho about going through the Stargate. Well, he's kind of arrogant about his skills because he <laughs> he solved in two weeks what they couldn't solve in several years. Yeah. But yeah, that was that was the one question: is like, can we get you back once we send you over there? He's mm -hmm. like, yeah, sure, no problem. And then he gets over there and he's like, well, I need some artifacts to compare it to. <laughs> I thought they would be right here and they're not. <laughs> oh, well. And I was like, that's a pretty big, oh, well. We like, 
Yeah. We have uh, 10 people over here. They're going to be stuck. Whoopsies. Again, they, they just they show up in the middle of a pyramid and then they walk outside and they're like, all right, base camp. It's, like it's... it's also probable that, that they'd be able to get home. I mean, but it would all work and it did. Uh, so they, they end up, they cross over and they're kind of inside of a, a temple, I'd say. No life forms to uh, to speak of yet. They try to set up a base camp. And what what's the first thing they see of life? Is it the the beasts? Yeah. And uh, James Spader gets dragged away from the. Yeah, he approaches it and he starts feeding it, and then Kurt Russell a Snickers bar sees or it. Shit. Well, later he's got a Fifth Avenue bar, so I assume Fifth it's Avenue. the same thing. Um, we maybe we need a candy lineup to figure out which one it was. <laughs> But uh, he, uh, yeah, he starts feeding it, and then Kurt Russell yells at him, and the the animal runs away, and it's got like a a leash on it or a lead or something, and that hooks Spader's leg and drags him, and they end up seeing a uh, it's like a mine um, where everybody's working, and they get spotted, and uh, eventually they get taken to the village or the city, whatever you want to call it. Um, so yeah, they end up they eventually they meet the the tribe, and then the tribe thinks that they are sent from Ra basically to uh do I don't know what because Catherine gave uh Spader the uh the eye of Ra necklace and he's wearing it, so they're like, Oh, yeah. he's he's with Ra. I mean, he's he's <laughs> his he's his number one guy, he's got a symbol on, yep, as we talked about before. There's really no action to speak of in this film until an hour in. Yeah. I, I I think the film is paced pretty well with that in consideration. At least, you know, I enjoyed uh, the journey we were on, but I think the pace really picks up. And I think it's pays very well once the action starts at about 58, 59 minutes. And I think the second half of the film is much better than the first. It's much more exciting. And also, as we talked about earlier, it is a knockoff of several uh ips previous ips it feels very influenced not just in score but in story and in execution and the, oh, yeah. but um i did enjoy it i i want to say uh this middle section for a while it feels like a foreign movie without subtitles because all the villagers are speaking their language and they don't subtitle it until later Right. Um, I guess until James Spader figures out what they're saying, and then yeah, we're winning on it. But there's a woman from the tribe that he befriends that tries to fuck him very quickly because she thinks she's going to make an offering to Ra, basically. Well, I think they married them, and then she's like, <laughs> uh, like, "All right, honeymoon time, gotta consummate," and uh, he turns it down, and then uh... she's the connection to the tribe of starting to speak the ancient language and kind of learning some of the similar words and that her tribe speaks and able to communicate that way. Well, she, she takes him to some kind of cave where they actually have writings on the walls and that's how he yep. figures it out. And that's our last clip. Thought you couldn't what? speak their language. Oh. <laughs> Scared me. <laughs> it's an ancient Egyptian dialect. I mean, like the rest of their culture, it's evolved completely independently. But uh, once you know the vowels, just answer the question. Well, um, well, I mean, you just—I just had to learn how to pronounce it. 
mean, it hasn't been a living spoken language in more than 1,000 years. I mean, look at this. It says, uh, a traveler from distant stars escaped from a dying world looking for a way to extend his own life. His body, decaying and weak, he couldn't prevent his own demise. Apparently, his whole species was becoming extinct. So he traveled or searched the galaxies looking for a way to cheat death. And, uh, look here. He came to a world rich with life where he encountered a primitive race, humans. <laughs> a species which, with all his powers and knowledge, he could maintain indefinitely. He realized within a human body he had a chance for a new life. Now, he apparently found a young boy. It says, as the frightened villagers ran, night became day. Curious and without fear, he walked towards the light. Ra took him and possessed his body like some kind of a parasite looking for a host. And inhabiting this human form, he appointed himself ruler. He used the Stargate to bring thousands of people here to this planet as workers for the mines. Just like the one we saw, this mineral is clearly the building block of all this technology. With this, he can sustain eternal life. Now, uh, something happened, where is it, back on Earth, a rebellion or uprising, and the Stargate was buried there. Fearful of a rebellion here, Ra outlawed reading and writing. He didn't want the people to remember the truth. Jackson, I think you better take a look at this. That's it. That's what we're looking for. They must have hidden it here in hopes that one day the gate on Earth could be reopened. I knew they'd have it written down someplace. Wait a minute. Where's the seven symbol? It must have broken. It's gotta be here somewhere. It's got it. Got it here. It's worn off. I can't make it work without the seven symbol. So they're fucked. <laughs> Essentially. Uh, I forgot to mention earlier, but when he's schooling everyone uh, initially, uh, before they go through the Stargate, you know, because uh, Richard Kind talks about, oh, we don't, there isn't a seven symbol, nothing to translate. It was actually, well, this is the seven symbol right beneath whatever symbol, blah, blah, blah. He goes, it has these two little, there's a pyramid with two figures on your side. Did you notice he just draws two dicks on either side? <laughs> it's two dick and balls on either side of the pyramid. Well, it, was, it was two men on their knees praying. <laughs> and it was two dick and balls is what it was. Coincidentally. But uh, my notes for this uh, film are pretty much done. So we can just kind of breeze through the plot here. Spader obviously has some feelings for this, this woman from the tribe. They become close. She's able to harbor a connection where they can communicate between him and the tribe. Uh, there, there's a, a big sandstorm. Everyone that's back at the camp outside the temple, they go back inside the temple because of the sandstorm and they get ambushed by these aliens who have transported down. And they have these, what would you call these, these uh, mechanical headdresses that they have? Yeah. Um, 
they look and like they have the these spear guns, guns these spear blasters <laughs> which we find out are non-lethal because yeah they zap some, everybody yeah. and then later they're like locked up in a cell that's half full of water yeah i took it more as like a, a star trek set to stun you know you could set it to stun or or lethal or sometimes what have you. you sometimes it kills you you have to resurrect you in that machine that's right they have it's that's just true. it's just like, like elysium no, no. they have they got the elysium machine. <laughs> yeah <laughs> when they had it first they have an ancient egyptian <laughs> uh tanning bed yes and that heals you it resurrects yes and for some reason, I don't mind it in here, but I did mind it in Elysium. <laughs> yeah, well, because if your head is gone, in Elysium, if your head is gone, we don't buy the fact that you can come back to life. <laughs> <laughs> but like, if you're merely, like, torso wounded and killed recently, and there's a magical resurrection machine, right? we buy that. Yeah. But, like, when Carlo Copley's head is gone, they put him in the tanning bed, his his lifeless, headless body. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is a bit different. I even forgot about much. that, that Charlton Copley that's got decapitated. Well, that's way too much. <laughs> that's, that's, too, that's too much. But I mean, I like that movie. Yeah. But still, there's things we cannot accept on screen. Do you like it more than Stargate or no? Stargate comes first. Of course. Like if Stargate and Elysium came out contemporarily i don't know <laughs> i like the plot of elysium so much yeah um with stargate um is just overall a better product with elysium i do remember kind of being on the edge of my seat for the first half hour 45 minutes or so being very excited and and engaged with the, with the story and the plot and the visuals oh yeah and then being very disappointed after that but and then jody foster shows up had a, lot of, had a lot of stupid stuff in it. Was she wearing a pantsuit? I forget. I think so. She was like the president of Elysium or something. Basically, it showed up. Like, I think she just left the set of uh, Inside Man and just showed up in Elysium. I think that was like the first movie where she played a lesbian, but not like openly. <laughs> in the future. Future lesbians. It was, uh, it was an open secret. <laughs> Was she coming off of the brave one where she uh, directed herself in five nude sex scenes? What was that? Was that 2011, 2012? Was that the teens? The brave one? Well, into her 40s. Brave one, I think. But the brave one was like a remake of Death Wish, though, basically. Yeah. 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 It is. The brave one. And uh, what is that James Wan movie with Kevin Bacon? Death Wish. Death Sentence. Death yeah, sentence. Death sentence. The brave one is better than death sentence because death I sentence think... is depressing. Neither one and, is that good, but yeah. And, but the brave one is better because it has the exact same plot point, full point. Well, mostly, you know, mostly. Well, it's like death if wish. if death wish if the uh, if the wife had survived and uh, yeah. Charles Bronson had died. Yeah, basically. And Charles Bronson was like twenty years younger. I mean, it has the same ending as Death Wish, too, where he, you know, the, the cop decides, you know, okay. <laughs> it's fine. But there's there's an excessive amount of Jodie Foster nudity in The Brave One, and uh, she directed it, so it, just, it was a choice. Mm-hmm. Not one of so, those Harvey made me do it type of things. 
Oh. All right. Well, let's uh, let's wrap up Stargate with the plot. Um, so obviously they've communicated with the the tribe. They don't know the seventh symbol. They're they're stuck on that. We find out that so this alien race has been using uh, these ancient Egyptian type peoples as slaves, right? Yeah, they're mining whatever that mineral is. I, yeah. I, I can't remember what they call this, but they use it for stuff. <laughs> Unclear. And uh, Jay Davidson uh, as Ra. Not, it's actually not Ra. It's an alien inside of a body of a child, right? Yes. Yeah, they're all kind of like that. You don't know what Ra actually looks like. Right. There, there's glimpses of it. Like you see his face kind of screaming. Like it's black and white. Dies, yeah. But uh, yeah, you don't really see the alien race. But you pick the most intimidating body yeah. to possess. <laughs> you know, you look at you look at that body that he picked, and it's like, man, nothing could be more intimidating. Uh, I think as a the, god. the extended version shows J. Davidson getting possessed. In oh really? Yeah. That'd be interesting. Like he's there in 1912. Is there a, a crying game song that accompanies it? No. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I thought you were. Uh... I think that is one of the main the main plot like minute for minute differences. Is you see that that the thing uh, I think pulls people from you know our planet too somehow. Raw, Raw's disappointed. He's like, I thought I was possessing a girl. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> so did God. What's his name? I forget now. That was a crying dude. game and uh, V for Vendetta. I forget his name now. Steve Ray. Ray. Is it Rhea or Ray? No idea. I do not know. Stephen Ray. It's Welsh it's... or something, so it's pronounced weird, probably. Okay. Yeah. We're both probably He's Welsh, huh? Wrong. He looks like he runs like a Welshman. It's probably it's probably rye or something like that. Yeah, they could be rye. His last ah. name could be rye unpronounced. Yeah. Or something completely different. Like Mighty Python. And now for something completely different. <laughs> Look, we're all wrong. Like it's something <laughs> like uh I know uh the guy who played Mr. Fantastic in the 2005 Fantastic Four movies. Everyone thought his name was Ian Gruffer. His name is actually Yoan. Yoan Griffith. Yoan Griffith, not Ian Gruffer. <laughs> Yoan Griffith, because like FFORD in Welsh is a TH or something. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I have confidence in you know Stephen Ray's name <laughs> well, it's, it's probably like raw S-E-A-N is Sean and his name is R-E-A yeah I know it doesn't, doesn't... <laughs> I don't know I do not know I've always called him Stephen Ray though yeah in my mind I'm sorry I'm seeing the letters right right Everyone is probably seeing like Ray's Pizza. Ray's Pizza. He's Stephen Ray. <laughs> I do give uh, Jay Davidson some credit here. I do think 
his version of Raw is very uh, sinister. Yeah. I did enjoy uh, Raw. Uh, he's a vengeful god, that Raw. Um, even though I guess it's an alien, but... He's only Raw with the mask off, though, I think. I think somebody else... Yes, uh, Karen John, or Karen With the mask Lee on, you mean? was masked Raw. Oh, really? Well, so yeah. he, you're saying he betrayed with the mask off are they saying raw was only raw no that's that's what i'm saying like like jay davidson only played raw with the mask off apparently and with the mask off he was not very intimidating no the mask on it's yeah it's not in but um they i want to mention the uh spaceship flyby shooting no like the little fighters or the the spaceship proper no, they they sent the little uh, spaceships out because they're like, but they they're punishing little tie fighters, right? I don't. They looked like uh, baked beans flying in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how the aerodynamics work. Roll on that, that beautiful bean footage. <laughs> but uh, yeah, because uh, the villagers were like, "Ra is punishing us, and we should have never helped those strangers." And uh, you know, they, they almost uh, go back to that slave mentality. You know, like Kanye said that one time, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a mentality. You can't let somebody tell you you're a slave. Like, you got you to gotta know that you're not. Yeah, you got to rise up. You got to fight back. Once they flip that mindset, I mean, it turns on a dime. They get them out of there in a day. Yeah, they they overthrow Ra and nothing. Yeah, Kurt Russell provides them with fire, and they're amazed at first, but then they then it becomes uh, you know normal place. They had yeah, fire. Four, four <laughs> machine guns, four machine guns, and they're able to overthrow Ra. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they, 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 to, yeah. You go, no, you go. They got all the guns that were left behind at the base camp during the storm. But uh, Eric, you were talking about the uh, the the scene with the lighter, mm-hmm. and like they're so amazed at the fire. Like, well, <laughs> if you look in the background, they have fire like all over the place. Yeah, you cannot. Well, it's the lighter though. It's like you watch like, an Encino man. You know, you see a lighter. Yeah. It's like I, you know, those people previously had to spend a half hour making one of those flames, <laughs> and now it's like That's I can true. do it in less than a second. Because they never they never evolved to, to uh, invent matches, right? Uh, so various people are captured. Pretty much everyone's captured at one point. Yeah. yeah. And there's a fight that ensues inside of the spaceship that is shaped like a pyramid. Uh, James Spader is shot, but he is uh, saved by the Elysium tanning bed machine. Kurt Russell is knocked out, but he uh, they end up overthrowing Ra. There's a there's a fight with Kurt Russell is fighting some of the second in commands the bouncers of the spaceship so so they do it they pull a swerve uh rob wants jackson to kill the soldiers that he came with mm-hmm. in okay. front of everybody and so he's got the whole city there <laughs> and uh he just lets jackson uh or james spader uh, his name in the movie is jackson he swerves them all and starts a riot and then they they get the uprising and they they reveal that the aliens are just people under the the masks and right. uh, all the 
all the uh, villagers have egg on their face because they're like, oh, I thought you were a god and you're just a person. <laughs> We've been enslaved for the last 10,000 years. Yeah. There's spaceships that are shooting at the people. They're fighting back. Uh, there's uh, fights inside the, the pyramid, the temple, the, the spaceship. Kurt Russell has the, has the nuke that he had brought along in secret to blow yeah. up the Stargate in case trouble arose. And uh, he had set it to go off. Six minutes to figure out the seventh symbol. <laughs> yeah. Ra had figured it out, and apparently he knew what a nuke was and said, you came here to destroy us. He was all pissed off. Well, that was one of the things. He was going to put that mineral in there, and it was going to explode even bigger once they sent it That's through right. the Stargate. Was it 10 times or 100 times more? Something. Like 9 11 times a thousand. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I love the transporter elevator things that they have with the Michelin man tires that go up and down. Those are pretty cool. I like that. Seems kind of dangerous though. One of the guards gets decapitated. Up and down thing. It's like a transporter from Star mm-hmm. Trek, but you're not really going to, you're just going up a level or two. It's a, it's a beam. <laughs> it's a beam me up type of deal. Yeah. They're not going too far though. Uh, we're pretty much at the end of the film. Um, they're in, they're able to beam up the bomb into the spaceship, right? Into the Tyrell Corporation <laughs> pyramid spaceship, and that blows up above the planet. It, it flies out into space and then blows up. Right. Instead of just like accepting, accepting their fate and trying to take out as many of them people as they can. Right. And uh, everyone's able to go back home except for J- Dr. Jackson, who is gonna, <laughs> chooses to stay. He's going to See where this relationship with this this tribe's woman leads? Dances with uh, whatever that animal is called. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Anything else with the plot that you guys can recall or want to talk about? You never see Kurt Russell make it home. Oh, really? You don't really know if they ever really made it home. Right. It kind of cuts out in the middle. Yeah, you're right. uh, It does. We don't don't know. You assume, but uh, assume he makes an ass out of you and me. You hope it works. They <laughs> might be stargating to another stargate. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That'd be nice. You know, they could have been the sequel. You know, they start a different, uh, you know, they think they're going back home and they're in a different planet altogether. Yeah. Who says they're going back to Earth? That was my question then in 94, and my, still my question then. <laughs> The cliffhanger that was never answered, uh, despite the many <laughs> spin-off series and right <laughs> ancillary yeah. products. Not to my satisfaction. Well, let's rate this thing. Let's rate it with our rating system and also letterboxed. So, uh, Zolly, oh, you know, we have our we have our five tiered rating system with ASAP at the top, then as soonish, eventually, which is still kind of the official stamp of approval, and then last resort and never watch this movie never the dreaded never category what um, would you call it Doug is asap it's of the canon it's of the canon the 90s <laughs> canon asap that means now yeah, you, everything's asap with you. you you love everything or maybe we just picked the, the the right movies with you yeah see i've told a few people not to see indiana jones 5 because it'll activate the depression yeah, would that be, a, would that be triggering? Is a very triggering. I, I don't, I don't want to use that word because that word, that, <laughs> that word itself, 
toward himself. He's so <laughs> hostile and loaded. Yeah, and yeah. When when he got, you know, to avoid there's a reason there's a Disney Plus password. So complicated. That, that was their plan all along. <laughs> What would you rate Stargate uh, on Letterboxd? Five. five stars. Absolutely five. Five yeah. stars. Five stars. I, I do like I it that much. Yeah. But I don't, I, I won't rate a new, uh, like an old movie. Though. Old, like, within respect to, like, the last 18 months. Older than 18 months. Okay. This is not, you know, relevant. Like, why would, you know. Okay. So I kind of got some inklings that I thought maybe you just thought it was okay or you weren't enjoying it all. Well, I mean, in 94, I was like, uh well, like now it's like wow, like I was so ungrateful. So ungrateful. So ungrateful, especially with uh, considering the current fare of film, right? Yeah, like wow. Yeah. Yeah, I was uh thoroughly impressed myself, or at least surprised at how much I liked it. I love the the world building, the journey it took me on. Special effects held up pretty well. Oh yeah. I was kind of in between. I, I'll almost say I love this film. I, I'll stop just short of that. I'll give it a three and a half on Letterboxd. And I'll call it an eventually. Eventually. What do you say, Brett? I, I say uh, it's a last resort. It's a last resort. Um, I was uh, debating on Letterboxd what to do, uh, but I, I gave it a little bit of a, a bump to two and a half stars. Sure. Sure. So. Um, but yeah. you keep us grounded then. That's fine. But I can't keep my feet on the ground. It's not, I mean, you could do a lot worse, but mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's a must watch. Yeah, I, I do see uh criticisms with this film, with the lack of action in the first hour. But I do, like, I just, I know I, for some reason, I enjoyed it. I thought I was going to fall asleep with uh being tired and with the, four fingers of whiskey in my hand. I thought I was going to pass out, but no, I enjoyed it. It kept me enthralled and I was engaged throughout and it I, wasn't, I, I a, do, wasn't an issue for me. I do think that the title is a little misleading for a movie that takes place mostly in the desert. Yeah, do you recall Egypt top or something? <laughs> something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the pyramid portal or something. Yeah, is yes, because they don't do anything in the stars at all. They go no. beyond the stars. They go beyond. <laughs> yeah, I thought to be like hyper loop or super. Yeah, Egypt Gate. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, um, let's get into a few fun facts here. There's, uh, I guess, a surprising amount. There's, I think, there's sixty some. Items on IMDb. Hey, everybody. Here's some fun facts. First one I'm going to mention is, uh, as Dr. Jackson is being heckled by the audience during his speech, someone mockingly suggests that perhaps men from Atlantis were responsible for the ancient Egyptian pyramids. The Stargate television series later established that the ancients who are behind the Atlantis mythology, while not builders of the pyramids, are the creators of the Stargates. So... I guess spoilers for the show. People from Atlantis built the Stargates. Right. Them and Aquaman, I guess, corroborated. <laughs> that, that's what Stargate Atlantis must all be about. You know? Yeah. Now, 
Is, is that what Dean Devlin and, and Roland know what you wanted? So <laughs> they they did that. Would they agree with all of MGM's might <laughs> and commercial media? I guess we'll find out when their new Stargate movie uh, gets developed. Uh, you know, Germany. it's in development. In Germany. In Germany. Stargate resurgence. I, I say it's not a real movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're probably on the right path. Right. Here's a fun fact. Uh, let's see. Here's another trivia. The early pre-release screenings of the movie were disastrous. The pre- who liked the movie fell into the mid 30s and executive producer Mario Kesar made zero sense his solution was have the raw characters dialogue subtitled and made into information that presented a clear storyline uh, when these changes were made the subsequent test screenings produced an overwhelmingly overwhelming majority of positive reviews and this carried the movie into becoming one of the surprise hits of fall 1994. Fall 94 is why it wasn't a big hit. Came in the summer, it would have been a hit. Maybe. Yeah, it would have been. Here's a fun fact. It says here the Stargate's ring has 90, uh, 39 glyphs and nine chevrons or chevrons. In the television series SG1 from 97 and uh, Stargate Atlantis from 04, Stargate Universe 09. It is explained that the number of glyphs in a Stargate depends on the galaxy in which the Stargate belongs. So you can differentiate them between uh, the number of glyphs between each galaxy. Hmm. This one was on the opposite end of the universe. Yeah. Apparently there was a universe with a, it had a back wall. It was like the opposite end. Yes, the, the, the direct opposite. <laughs> Apparently there was an end of the universe that they were, yeah, the they had found. Near the end. Apparently, it wasn't ever expanding. That's why it's set so far back in time. Right. (laughs) Here's another fun fact. Uh, Sater admitted that he did the film for the money as he found the script to be awful. He said, said, acting for me is a passion, but it's also a job. And I've always approached it as such. I have a certain manual laborist view of acting. There's no shame in taking a film because you need some fucking money. <laughs> James Brown's scream from I feel good was used as a sound effect in the scene demonstrating the alien taking control of the young boy's body. So when Rob was created, you hear James Brown in there, I guess. That's funny. That would only be in the director's cut. Okay. Jay Davidson's dislike of the attention that he received after the crying game made him reluctant to take the role of Raw in Stargate. He didn't want to just turn down the offer, uh, so he made what he expected to be an unacceptable demand of $1 million, which was accepted, so he took the role. Oh, nice. $1 million, that's pretty good. I mean, you know... <laughs> If they accepted his first offer, a lot of money. Here's one for you, Zolly. Jamon Hansu, James Spader, and Kurt Russell would all end up playing villains in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's true. Hansu played Carath in Guardians of the Galaxy. Spader played Ultron in Avengers Age of Ultron, as you mentioned earlier. And Russell played Ego in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Oh, cool. 
three Marvel villains in here. Three of them. Three before they even had Disney Marvel. Maybe it's just normal, actual Marvel. Here's another fun fact. Uh, tie back for, to uh, our episode on Leon. According to the DVD commentary, the group of scantily clad youths surrounding Ra were intentionally included to create unease in the audience. Oh. Much like the majority of the Leon the Professional runtime. Which was uh, apparently not meant to be uh, make the audience <laughs> uneasy, according to the According to the French producer. Here's a fun fact. Uh, it says here, Rick Moranis was offered to play the role of Dr. Daniel Jackson, but turned it down to work on the Flintstones and Little Giants. And then after that, he was pretty much out. I think after 96, what? 96, he was out, right? Oh. He's out for good after Bully. Minnesota film Bully. Yeah, well, Steve Miner. Oh, that's right. Steve Miner did that, yeah. There's plenty of trivia items on IMDb you can peruse. I think we've given you enough. It does confirm that those animals were horses with costumes draped over them. Okay. Also, some dogs were used. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I think that'll do it unless you uh, see another piece of no, trivia that just needs that to be, be said. That should be good. Okay. Well, Zali, let's get your plugs. Cedar Cliff oh. Collectibles, what else? In Egan, Minnesota. Find me on Twitter and Instagram. Just search my name, Zali Becker. I'm the only one there. On Twitter, I'm frequently banned because uh, <laughs> I think I'm not, I think I'm actually not allowed on Twitter. Um, and as my account gets a certain number of followers and they see me and they ban me. But somehow, Unlike everyone else, he gets banned from tonight. Just come back. So it's okay. You're like a phoenix that rises from the ashes. Yeah. Yeah. Be sure to check out Zelly Becker's show on YouTube. Check out all those all those videos. Not just comic shop apocalypse, but uh previous ones as well. Because you update the comic shop uh, apocalypse pretty regularly. Yeah. So yeah. it's a couple times a month at least. Sometimes whenever a couple times a week. Really cool. Whenever something really cool. But we also want to be competitive with break videos. Yeah. Because break videos, yeah. Now, now, mind you, break videos are like piloting a crashing plane. Well, you don't know what you're going to get. And it can be bad. Right. But yeah, it's uh, always entertaining watching you and Steve break some shit. <laughs> or talk about new uh, uh, treasure troves of comics you got in. But uh, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. Man. Yeah, uh, maybe we'll uh, be able to corroborate again on a horror film over the next few months. We'll see. Otherwise, okay. I, I think we're going to start doing a, a segment on the show throughout the year where we do like a month of where we pick a couple of Minnesota films. And I think you'd be the the first one I'd pick for that would be a serious man. And I'd really love to have you on for that. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> it's a great film, and I think it could teach us a lot, especially from the uh, Jewish perspective. Jewish, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's great. You could uh, you. teach us all about the Torah and everything. I mean, the normies, the, the Gentiles, they know about oh. Passover, but they don't know about the Torah 
Proper. If they don't know what gauntlet, well, they know what the gauntlet is. <laughs> Probably because of the Glorious Bastards or something. Yeah, we, we made it too clear. We made it way <laughs> too clear. You let that one slip. <laughs> yeah, that is the most Jewish Coen Brothers movie like ever. Yeah. It's like, it's like it starts so, with the Yiddish folktale, right? Yes, it's it's so filled with the parental dread. <laughs> but uh, yeah, stay tuned for that. Um, be sure to check out Zolly. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, uh, Brett. Where can uh, people support the show if they if they feel so inclined to support it financially? That is, you can uh, get some merchandise at wtmwatchthismovie.creator-spring.com. You can reach out to us. You can email us at watchthismovie at yahoo.com. Follow us on Twitter at watchthis underscore movie or bread at positivelywolf1, which is also his letterbox profile. Mine is under eric underscore Mulder. Uh, Zolly, what's your letterboxed? Uh, I think it's my name. Okay, Zolly Becker. All right, just search it. And then uh, please rate and review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, pretty much anywhere podcasts are found or listened to. Uh, other than that, we will check you later. Guess we'll see you around. All right, check you later. Bye. Wait, man, why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking check about? You later. Check you later. <laughs> hey, man, you off my case. You guys are a mess. How'd he get like that? His kid died. Accidentally shot himself. Jesus.